church, our Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door of God. Buenos dias, que tal? Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be back with you this week. That was Lover of My Soul by Alexis Sosky. She has a great soulful voice, and I'm, I'm happy to share her with you this week. You can find more information about Alexis Sosky, if I can say that correctly, on my website at www.catholichack.com. Well, this week we're jumping right back into our study of A Father Who Keeps His Promises by Dr. Scott Hahn. We're going to be starting Chapter 5, and we're talking about Abram and his journey of faith. Will we step out in faith and like Abram, our forefather in the faith? Will we also follow the word of the Lord? Will we follow the voice of God in our lives? And that's the nature of what we're going to be covering today as we start this uh, this, this sort of an intro to to Father Abraham and his and his portion of uh, salvation history. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory and power be to you, Almighty God. We come before you to praise your holy name, to seek and to learn from your word. May you send forth your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to give us the the knowledge that we so desire, the truth that is your your word, your living and breathing word, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through salvation history, you have made manifest the truth of that your love that you have given us from the very beginning of, of the dawn of time of men. 
and through your servant Abraham you have set forth the promises that will become to be fulfilled that all nations, all peoples will be blessed through your only begotten, our Lord Jesus Christ. May you give us the grace we need to step out in faith, to follow you as you have deemed for our lives. I also pray specifically for all those tonight who are out of work. Father in heaven, please provide for their needs. There are so many. Please have mercy on them and give them the grace they need to sustain and to provide for their families. I ask for Our Lady's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, let's jump right in. Abraham, or actually, we're going to start with Abram, because he, his name changes during this, this portion. You know, that's a very significant feature of what we're going to be talking about tonight. But tonight's just going to lay some groundwork. We're going to focus on the three promises that were given to Abram um, by God himself. Now, Abraham, he grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Ur is like the Las Vegas of the Middle East in the ancient world. It was a very prosperous town. Uh, it was rich with uh, markets and traders from all over the ancient world. In fact, um, it is believed that his father was a trader and sort of a, a, a traveler of sorts. And that's why his father uprooted the family and takes them over to uh, Haran. And so we see that journey. He's actually headed towards uh, the land of Canaan. Uh, through Haran, going north and through Haran, but never quite made it to Canaan. They stop in Haran, they set up shop, and that's where Abram's father dies. And Abraham will take up, or Abram rather, will take up the journey from there. Boy, I just can't help myself but uh, but to keep slipping the name change so much. But at any rate, what, the first point that I really want to bring out is that Abram, he drops everything to follow the word of the Lord, to follow that message, that voice that God makes manifest in his life, calling him out, speaking to Abram, that I am the God that's calling you out, and I am going to give you these promises. And we find those promises starting in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1 there. It says, quote, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and, and curse those who curse you. And by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. Now there, this is very significant, and this is the focus of tonight's show. There are three blessings wrapped up in just those three short verses. Number one, he's going to make him a great nation. Number two, he's going to make him a great name. And number three, he's going to bless all the nations, all the peoples of the earth through his line. Now, if you're going to be a great nation, well, in order to be a nation, you need a land. Okay. Well, if you're going to have a, a great name, well, that's, that's a royal dynasty. And if you're going to bless all the nations, well, you had better send something big to do that. And we, we're going to see that made manifest through the line of Jesus, through the coming of the incarnate word. Uh, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the, the, the fulfillment of this prophecy. 
You see, to make a great nation, that will be fulfilled through Moses, actually. And to make a a great name, that royal dynasty, a kingdom, will be made manifest, will be fulfilled in David. And then again, as I said before, to bless all the nations, that will come through Jesus Christ. So we see these threefold, this threefold pro, uh, promises will actually all come to uh, fulfillment in covenants. See, God will raise it up to a covenant. He says, uh, Scott Hahn says, quote, on page 95 of chapter 5 of Father Who Keeps His Promises, quote, God planted and then tended these three promises of the blessings throughout Abram's life by raising each of the promises to a much higher level as covenants, which the Father made on three distinct occasions. So, he takes them from promises. Abram, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you a great nation. No, I'm going to make your name great. No, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the earth, everywhere, every nation, through you. And all three of those become covenants that we're going to look at in greater specifics here in a minute. So I want you to understand, though, that the first step for us, the first step, the first look is the fact that Abram stepped out in faith. He gives up everything to follow him, right? We see that again in the Gospels. When when Jesus calls those disciples out, they leave their fishing nets. They give up everything. They give up father and brother and mother and wives and children. They give up all that it was that is, you know, that they have potential of. They give it all up to follow him. This is the gift that Abram can bring to our lives today. The gift of faith. That faith war is is immediate action, the gift of self to God, to follow him on faith. That Abraham actually brings quite vividly to our lives. But now, let's uh, look specifically at these promises and see how that they became covenants. The first one, again, to make him a great nation. Again, in order to be, have a great nation, you need land. And we see this actually depicted in Genesis chapter 15, where God says to Moses, starting in verse 7, And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a she-goat three years old, and a ram three years old a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in two, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a dread and a great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know of surety that your descendants will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be slaves there, and they will be oppressed for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nations which they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As far as yourself you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good, at a good, in a good old age. And they shall come back here 
in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give thee this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, from the land of the Kenites, the land of the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Raphraim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So that's Genesis chapter 5, or 15 rather, starting in verse 7, going all the way down to, to the end of the chapter there. Now, what's, what's very important here is a couple of things. Number one, the fiery torch that passes between the offerings. So imagine taking the, 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 the offerings, these animals. You take them and you cut them in two. You slaughter these animals and you pour out their blood and he separates them, right? And then the fiery torches, the fiery torch rather, passes between the two as this covenant, the covenant oath is being sworn. Now, God himself is, is, is swearing this oath. Abram is the mediator of the oath. And the, the fact that the animals were cut in two, it's kind of like saying, if I break this covenant, may I be broken in half. May I be torn in, or torn in twain, as they used to say, and may my blood be spilt out like this animal. This is a vivid image for the person who is entering into covenant relationship with God. This animal stands in my place. This animal will be will be torn in two. It is torn in two. This animal is slaughtered. If I break the covenant, may I be like this animal. It's, so it's very important. It's very serious, actually. But that fiery torch, this is an image. Because in this covenant, in this swearing of the covenant scene, what happens? God, he gives the promise. He, he gives this promise of the land. But he tells of this, the fact that Abram's descendants will have to go into the land of Egypt and be slaves there for 400 years. And then at the end of that time, they will leave. He'll bring them out of the land and their their wealth will actually increase, right? Okay, that's very significant because when we get to that part, and you know the story, what happens when God calls the people out of Egypt into the wilderness? He leads them by day in a fiery pit, in a pillar of smoke, and by night in a pillar of fire. This image here in Genesis 15 is very much akin to that image that we will see later on in Genesis, later on in Exodus rather, where God is leading the people by a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. So, this is very much a foreshadowing. This is typology at work here. And we're going to get into even more typology between Abram and Egypt and the people of Israel, his descendants and Egypt. And don't forget, also, as we said in the last show, in the Deviled Ham show last week, that the fact that Ham's line, part of Ham, the son of Noah, who looked upon his father's nakedness and committed that 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 hideous crime by having relations with his own mother in hopes of stealing the authority, stealing that, that firstborn authority uh, from away from Noah and away from Shem. Okay? Ham's descendants, Ham's own kin, are part of them are the Egyptians. And so Ham will, his descendants will, 
enslave the descendants of Shem, his brother. Abram is a descendant of Shem. That's what we're told in uh, Genesis chapter 11. So very significant, very important. God saying to Abram here in Genesis 15, I am going to give you a land, the land of Canaan or Canaan. That also, Canaan, as we said last week, is a descendant of Ham. They also will oppress the descendants of Shem. You see how that line, the good line, the bad line, calling upon the name of God versus calling upon their own name, Shem meaning name, this still this this um this play on words, this play on the word name is still here present because everywhere Abram calls upon the name of God, not upon his own name. And so we see here God promising that yes, your descendants will be slaves to Egypt. However, they will come out and they will have uh, increased wealth, and then I will give them, I will give them the land that I promised you, the land of Canaan. So that's uh, Genesis 15, uh, verses 7 through uh, 18, 19 there, uh, to the end of the chapter. Now the next covenant, and the next promise is that is that name that we talked about. And for this, we can read uh, more about this in Genesis chapter 17. It says, quote, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He that is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he that is born in your house and he that is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. And he has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. She, shall, she Sarah, shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will, I will give her, and moreover, rather, I will give you a son by her. 
I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. If I could just spit that out of there, it'd be great. But see here, in nine, he's 99 years old. And God now says, okay, Abram, I'm going to now make the, that second promise, a covenant with you. It is elevated from a promise to a covenant. A covenant, as we said now back in the early parts of this uh, this study on a father who keeps his promises, a covenant is an exchange of persons for the sake of family. Okay, I give you myself. I take to myself you. We are now family. It's as if we were born blood relatives. So they exchange persons in a covenant. And so God is now creating a, a second covenant with Abram, he now changes his name to Abraham. The name change and the circumcision is the sign of the covenant between Abram, Abraham and his descendants down through their generations. Kings will come from his lines and they will possess the promised land. Now, he changed from Abram, the exalted father, to Abraham, the father of multitude. But there is a, a kind of another significance to this because Abram is sort of the Eastern version of his name, uh, Eastern Semitic version of his name, whereas Abraham is the Western Semitic version of his name. So it kind of signifies that Abram, by taking the name Abraham, he's saying, I now do not belong in Ur, where I grew up, where my family is. No, now I am Abraham. Now I belong in Canaan because God promised me this land. I will now take the name of this land, the name, the version of my name from this land, signifying that I am now, this is now my home. This is my new home because God has promised it to me. We have a covenant relationship. And so it's very significant. And again, we see this promise of uh, of the coming of his son through his wife, Sarah. Her name now is Sarah, and she will be the mother of nations, and kings will come from her. This is a foreshadowing to not only David and Solomon and all the rest. No, it is looking down the road all the way to the, the birth of a king in a humble little cave in Bethlehem, in the, in the hill country, just outside of Jerusalem, where where uh, Abram, Abraham will one day offer his own son Isaac on an altar, which we'll talk about next. And so we see that we're looking forward to that day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is born, who will come from this line of Abram. In fact, Matthew's Gospel starts off with a genealogy of Jesus, the, law, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so we're told quite explicitly that Jesus is a fulfillment of this verse, of this sort of prophecy. Again, foreshadowing and typology all coming to bear here. It's very, very significant. So now moving on to the third promise, now we have this blessing of all, you know, nations, of all peoples. And for that, again, we can look at Genesis chapter 22. And it's that scene, as I just mentioned, where, where God, this is where, you know, Abraham already has his son Isaac. And God comes to him and says, you know, Abraham, I want you to take your only son and go to, the, uh, to a mountain that I will tell you. And there I want you to offer him up to me. Yes, sir. Two bags full, he says. Can you imagine? God has promised you that you will have a son, an heir. See, Abraham, he back when he was Abram, he was nervous. He was like, I have no heir. I have a slave in my house from Damascus who is my heir. How is this possible? 
God, how can you give me a son? I'm an old man. My wife is an old lady. It's not possible. He, you know, but God comes through and he finally has a son. And Isaac is his name, right? And then God, after he's born, this, this boy Isaac is, bo- is born and he's growing up to be a man. God says, now you take him to Moriah and now you're going to offer him up to me. Uh, okay, sure. He says on faith. Now, this is an amazing act. Why? Because surrounding Abraham, right? Surrounding him in, in the land of Canaan and everywhere else are pagan cultures. Pagan cultures racked with demonic demons who are convincing these people to, to sacrifice their own children to Baal, to them, to false gods, to demonic spirits. And so people would kill their own children to these false gods, to Baal, Baal worship, right? Okay. And here Abraham sees, hears God say, you're going to offer your son to me. Now his thought must have been, well, you're just like all the rest. What's, what's the difference? But instead of questioning, he steps out on faith and he obeys him because God has led him all this way to this point already. And so he shows that faith by taking him all the way to Moriah. And there in Genesis uh, in Genesis chapter 22, starting at verse 6, it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them together. It's significant. It's powerful. On this mountain, Moriah, this is the very mountain that one day the temple will be built on. This is the very mountain that one day our Lord Jesus Christ will be cast out of the city and then crucified, nailed to a tree, offered, risen up, to draw all nations to himself. On that very mountain, Abraham takes his only son, takes the wood of the offering, and puts it on his son's back. And his son Isaac carries that wood up this mountain. Jesus Christ will one day carry the wood of his own offering up that mountain. And his son says, Where is the, where's the lamb? Don't worry, my son, Abraham says. God will provide himself the lamb for the offering. Well, long story short, Abraham raises that knife and is ready to thrust it down into his only son, right? But the angel of the Lord stops him and says, stop, stop, don't do it. Abraham, I know now that you are faithful, that you will do as God has commanded you to do. But no, do not offer, do not harm that boy. Not one hair, Don't, don't harm him. Abraham, I will not ask you to sacrifice your son. No, no, no. I will give my own son. Unlike those false demonic gods that surround you, who ask you to kill your children, to offer your children to them, no, instead of that, I will give my son to you. They are false. I am true. And I will prove it by by taking my own son and offering him up on behalf of all of you instead of vice versa. So it's extremely powerful. 
But if we skip forward to uh, verse 15 of uh, chapter 22, it says, quote, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will indeed bless you, and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as, of, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your descendants shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. Because Abraham didn't withhold his only son, God promises to send his son, which will draw all peoples to himself when he is lifted up and therefore bless all nations on that very mountain. It is absolutely significant. Now, I want you to read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2570, and see how Abraham's faith is worked out in action. And see, and we get, we need to look at this man, Abraham, and we're going to see that he's not, a, he's not a sinner, not quite a saint. He calls upon the name of the Lord, and that's important. And his faith inspires us to take action. So will you take action today by being faithful to the word of the Lord in your life? Well, that's going to do it for this week's Behold the Man. Thank you for stopping by. Stop by my website, www.catholichack.com, for the show notes and the links to, uh, to, to the song we played, the Lover of My Soul. What a powerful song. If you got time, give me a call at 713-568-6277 and leave your voicemail feedback. Well, until next time, I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground. <laughs>